If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Did you know that Outdoor Classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is, overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any Outdoor Classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth, practical training and resources for all aspects of planning, running, and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom, plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. Welcome back to our author series. Today we have Lauren McLean. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller children's picture book, Me and My Sit Spot. She's also the host of Teach Outdoors with Lauren McLean, a podcast. She is a co-founder of the local bookshelf, full-time elementary school teacher, and part-time outdoor educational consultant and presenter. As a child, she struggled to sit still and learning outdoors was where she felt free to learn, move, and explore while being authentically true to herself. Now a mom of two young toddlers, Lauren has a passion for exploring nature and modeling how to learn with the land. Without further ado, Lauren McLean. Hello, everybody. We are here with Lauren McLean, the author of My Sit Spot. I want to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. It's so wonderful to meet you. Oh, I'm thrilled you're here, and I can't wait to dig into today's topic. So first question, why is getting outdoors so important? Amazing. And I love taking this question in a few different directions. When I think of my childhood, I grew up in Richmond, BC, where we have a lot of ditches. So (laughs) I grew up exploring in very mucky, stale, smelly water, collecting tadpoles and frogs and garter snakes, which are extremely smelly. (laughs) And it was the 
best childhood absolutely ever. I, I definitely am one of those children that have an abundance of energy and that hasn't really worn off as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's a place where I I thrived. I never felt bounded. I had freedom. I was creative. I didn't get in trouble for using an outside voice. And definitely when I was in a beginning teacher and I was starting to do my master's program through uh, SFU, I read the book by Richard Louvre, Last Child Mm -hmm. in the Woods, where he talked about nature deficit disorder. And that just changed everything for me. So I don't know if I had forgotten gotten the joy of being outside or if the busyness of life and what I felt like I had to teach and I had to teach in a certain way took over because I was a new young teacher. Uh, But that book changed everything for me. And so I reached out to a local nature school, Soaring Eagle Nature School, and I started apprenticing for them. Mm. And then my own research and knowing the most amazing human being, Megan Zenny, definitely recommend mm-hmm. everybody look her up. Her research into the social emotional benefits of being outside has just changed everything for me. So there are unlimited reasons for why we should be outside, but those would be my highlights. And really, you answered my second question was what really sparked you into continuing this? And as an educator, so then we sort of pivot a little bit into the world of education Mm -hmm. and asking our question of why aren't more children outdoors? What's your feeling about that? And how can we apply nature and get more kids outdoors? So yeah, well, there's there's definitely a disconnect. And I don't know what the root of that disconnection is. I don't know if we're more nervous these days. I'm still, I would say, a new mother. I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And yeah, when I see them in ditches, it totally makes me uncomfortable. I can't Mm -hmm. say that I'm necessarily (laughs) overly encouraging that because I am worried they're going to get hurt or lost if they're outside. I live at the top of a mountain where even last night we had a black bear in our backyard. Wow. So, yeah, I don't want my toddlers playing un- like unsupervised. Mm-hmm. And I'm very comfortable with being outdoors, but I also want to be safe. Thanks. So I, I think we do live in a bit more let's uh, bubble wrap our kids sort of era. And it's going to take a lot of patience to Mm -hmm. slowly unwrap that bubble wrap. And without judgment, people feel like, oh, goodness, well, of course, I should be doing this. But and they feel uncomfortable or pressured because they're not ready. That's okay. In our classroom, we take very baby steps. I'm very open with our parent community about what we're doing and how we do it and the precautions that I take in our classroom. I invite them to come with us if they're uncomfortable. Uh, so it's definitely this idea of making sure people see the rationale behind it yeah. and that we are being safe. So I am very careful. I do give them experiences that they might think are unsafe, but risky play is very important. But again, we we do it in a very scaffolded way. Can you describe your your role in your school? Yeah. So this year I'm teaching uh, not far from where I live in Port Moody, BC, and I teach grade one, two. I only have four uh, grade ones. The rest are grade twos. They are an amazing group of kiddos and we Mm -hmm. are outside 
every single day. One day this year, it was very short-lived because it was an insanely dangerous, uh, windy day. And we are surrounded by a forest on a few sides. Uh, and so that's just, that's a no-go for me. Yeah. Um, there's too many branches that can fall down that would be very perilous. So, you know, again... <laughs> I'm very open with our parents. We went outside, we canceled it, we went back inside, no worries. So a bit more about our outdoor space. It's quite steep where we live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're very good at staying on the paths because if we go off the path, the erosion, it will happen very quickly, which is costly for our school district and for our city to look after we've got uh, you know a huge grass soccer field and then on the other side of that we've got a really beautiful little creek that runs Mm. by and as we were saying before we we began recording it's quite hot here right now abnormally (laughs) hot and so we spent most of the day down by the creek because that's the coolest place that we could or how can educators use nature as a teaching tool Rather than sort of this extra thing, oh, everyone's talking about getting outdoors. It's this extra thing. How can we integrate it more? How can we use it as a tool? Right. And I think it's the same as when we're talking about, um, I used to be a a math support teacher. So I'm going to bring it back to sort of how if I were to introduce a new math routine Mm. to a, a classroom, we would introduce it really slowly. We don't have to know everything. We're going to make mistakes. It uh, doesn't mean I'm only going to use that one math tool and ignore the rest of my math curriculum. We're going to find a balance and we find the curricular connections. And I think the vocabulary that we use is really important. We call it an outdoor learning space. Mm-hmm. It, we have the same expectations indoors as we have outdoors. We sit in our circle the same way. We listen respectfully the same way. We collaborate the same way. We don't put litter on the ground in the classroom. It goes into the garbage bins outside. It goes into our little uh, nature packs and we bring it back out. I mean, typically we don't bring stuff out with us anyways, but on the rare Mm -hmm. occasions that we do, it's the same expectations. I also when, now that I'm getting a bit more into the outdoor, I guess, outdoor consulting work that I'm doing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say the biggest worry that teachers pose is that they feel they can't go outside because they don't know the name of the trees. They don't oh, know the name of the yeah. flowers. And that is the furthest thing from my mind. I don't know all of them. I know most on our school grounds, but that's not the point again of being outdoors. That's, that's a part of it is getting to yeah. know your space observing how is that plant, tree, whatever it is, how is it changing throughout the seasons? But that's also what field guides are for. That's why they're so great. There are apps now. There's tons of apps. Apps. You can just pull out your phone. And and that's what one of my parents did in my class yesterday was was we were looking under the logs. We're learning about bugs and they rolled it over and we saw this really cool bug. And one of the moms pulled out her phone and Mm -hmm. used an app and she named it. And I was just like, oh, Yes, of course, we have this resource right in our back pocket. So, but it's a lot of mindset with with educators in terms of, oh, I'm I'm not an expert, so therefore I shouldn't be going out or I can't take that many kids out because they're going to misbehave or, 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 or it's, it's this sort of negative talk that's in their head that's that's pleading and and not getting our kids outside and it being as you know with all the research that the benefits of being outdoors is Mm -hmm. is enormous yeah so how can we advocate more how can we're well and I think it's highlighting all the successes and 
And not that I like to, you know, dwell on the negative, but it's also to say like, hey, I'm an experienced outdoor educator, but today this went wrong. This is what I did to counteract it or to prevent it from happening again, but to really like be humble about it and say, yeah, Yeah. you know, this did not work well today. For instance, (laughs) today we're making spring forest fragrances. So we're out harvesting a bunch of different loose parts on the ground. And a couple of our learners, even though we talk a lot about not picking things that are living, some of our learners did grab some things, added it to their their mug, and were pounding it away to make the fragrances go. And and so we did have to stop and say, well, that wasn't the intention. Uh, It's okay. We're going to move on from here. But next time we'll be a bit more clear with our expectations. But that's a big part is being very clear with your expectations. When I, again, when I think about inside the classroom, I'm very clear with where do we want chairs to be stacked? How do we want chairs to be stacked? Mm -hmm. Kids just don't do it at the beginning of the year the way you necessarily want it to that's best for your classroom space. And so we have to think about all those different nuances and do the same for outdoors. Do we have a gathering place outside? How do I want them to walk? Single file, uh, shoulder to shoulder. Are we a bit more flexible? Because this year I have a dream team of students. <laughs> so I don't have many of those expectations. I trust them. We can walk together. There's not a lot of rules that way because they're so well behaved. It's one of those years <laughs> that I just yeah. almost feel guilty talking about because it's so <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, and so we're able to have so much fun together because we've gone slowly, we have a lot of expectations, yeah. and now we're able to really enjoy each other and outside. They've grown into it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. What types of lessons? So you talked a little bit about math. Yeah. You talked a little bit about just really setting the expectations. Now it's time for a lesson. What What do you suggest? What do you oh, do? love it. Well, and it definitely depends. Uh, I mean, this is the tricky thing about place-based learning is it completely depends on where you live. So again, I'm in BC, Canada, up at the top of a mountain. I very much in a temperate rainforest type of area. And so we can do a lot of amazing activities with the trees. We talk again, there's so much math that can be done with our trees. So in this, uh, in the winter, we were doing a lot of tree identification through shapes. So the shape of the silhouette, the mm. shape of the trunk, what lines does the trunk make? What shape are the leaves? Is it an opposite growth pattern versus an alternate growth pattern? Uh, and then we can do, again, if we're just looking at the leaves, we can do leaf rubbings and there's a lot of art and texture into that. Mm. So with one thing in nature, we can pull out math, art, science, but it's really For me, sometimes I go outside with a lesson, but it's really about we're going to have free time at the beginning. I'm going to see what you're interested in. And because I know my curriculum really well, I can find the connections, pull everybody together, say, wow, we were really interested in the salmon berries today that are just everywhere. They're beautiful right now. Mm. And so we're going to talk about their leaf or the flower patterning, which is always in groups of five. And then we're going to go do some coral counting and skip counting with groups of five every time we see a salmonberry flower. Five, 10, 15, 20, 20, right? And so we're walking along the path and we're all coral counting together. And then we stop and we talk about the leaf patterning, which again, it's in groups of three. And it's got two that are opposite, look like butterfly wings. And then there's the terminal leaf at the top. So now we're skip counting by threes and we all have our butterfly wings as we're we're skip counting by threes. So again... (laughs) 
<laughs> there's body movement involved in it. There's music. There's the science skills of looking closely. And it's all wrapped in together. And so, again, my part as the educator after that is to document it yes, to make sure that, that was- I am being responsive uh, to my curriculum, right? So I write down all the curricular areas that were uh, we talked about that day or that we discovered that day. And then during our circle time at the end, I pose a few of those questions that are connected to the curriculum. What did you notice about patterns today? And we do a circle round. What did you note about shapes today? And then we do a circle round. So did they, whereabouts on that scale are they and their understanding and that science and that math? And then how can I support that idea back in the classroom that day or the next day? Okay, big question. Where do you get your inspiration? Because you are just, your ideas are just flowing. I'm like nodding my head, like, woohoo! <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's like, I can't even describe it, but it's your, where do you, where do you get inspired? Well, I have an obsession with books completely. Uh, I think my husband would love for me to spend less money on books. <laughs> the, the book that I really sort of started out with that guided sort of the structure of my outdoor programming would have been The Coyote's Guide to Connecting with Nature oh. by Dan Young. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. I do a lot of work. If I'm looking for other, again, math activities, I love uh, Messy Maths by Juliet mm-hmm. Robertson. I mean, she's got the other one as well, Dirty Teaching, which is a great sort of intro into it. Uh, I've got the big book of nature activities by Evan, I think it is. Evan wrote that one, I believe. Yeah. And again, I'm just, I'm constantly buying books field guides. I buy field guides and then I make an activity just based off of having a bird field guide. So we just come up with a game and we go for it. Sometimes they fall flat on their face. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny that the, that you will set the whole thing up. I do this all the time and you think, ah, they're going to love this. Oh yeah. And at the last five minutes, we had our closing circle. And I just, (laughs) as I was reading the log hotel, I was, I gave them sort of this log that was really turning into dirt. Yeah. And they just kind of played with that the whole time. I'm like, I could have done this. <laughs> it brought the whole group together. Yeah. And, you know, it was just an impromptu type of thing. But that's the thing I think that a lot of educators should know that you could overthink it. But yeah. if you just get outdoors, mm-hmm. it kind of falls into once you do it a couple times, it ends yeah. up falling into place. And, and it might be something that is completely different than what you thought it would be. Yeah. And I do typically go outside with a plan, yeah, a, a brief plan, mm-hmm. but we always start with a nature walk. Yeah. And then we have our circle or we'll play a little nature game, something to release some energy. And then in our circle, did anybody notice anything? And yeah. if it's one of those days where no, they didn't, then I do my original plan. All right. Yeah. Well, today I have this, uh, we're going to go out and do spring forest fragrances and write a recipe about a pinch of cedar leaves with, you know, and then they, they again, there's a lot of great language arts in writing yeah. a recipe. So I had that as a backup plan. But if during we're doing our circle reflection and one of our few of the learners have some ideas about, I really thought that was really cool, or I noticed this was different, then we can go and explore that a bit further. So I usually plan for about 50% of our time. And then the other 50%, I'm always expecting there to be a lot of open free time 
so that I can see what we're interested in because we always go visit different spaces. So, uh, which is a big part, right? We're not always going to go visit the same area in the forest because again, our footprints are going to have a huge impact in that space. So we usually every day we're in a new little area. I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet, but you are an author. Yeah. Of an incredible book called My Sit Spot, right? Yeah, Me and My Sit Spot. Me and My Sit Spot. Can you tell us what inspired you to write this book, a little bit about the book, how you incorporate sit spots into your program? Yes. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, I find it a comical story because (laughs) as with most things these days, a lot of our inspiration is unfortunately the pandemic. So uh, when the pandemic started, I was on mat leave with my first child. He was nine months old and everything shut down. Can't see my grandparents, can't see my colleagues, can't see my neighbors. And as you can tell, I'm quite extroverted. I love to talk. (laughs) Very social. And that was, everybody struggled with that, but I just felt so separated from friends. And so that's why I started my podcast. So it was originally called Mentoring Nature Connections. And now it's called Teach Outdoors. It was my way of basically forcing people to talk to me (laughs) during COVID times, right? Like I wanted to stay engaged in my love for being outdoors. I wanted to talk to people. I went back to work once things opened up again. And then I'm right back on my second mat leave much faster than I expected. (laughs) And and I thought, okay, well, on my first mat leave, you know, I was able to start this amazing podcast. And I've had so much feedback from audience members about, you know, thank you for suggesting Dr. Jillian Judson's book, The Walking Curriculum. I always suggest that book because nature walks are a huge part of what we do. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's true. Nature walks are wonderful, but they kept asking, like, I know you do lots of sit spots, but there's no resources on it, really. Like, they're they're highlighted in, again, like John Young's book, because really, he's the one that sort of really started, in my mind, how he started the sit spot. But I wanted a picture book because we love picture books as as teachers. And so I started writing it out. I found an amazing illustrator. And and so I've got the original version. I've now had it translated into French by a friend that I grew up with. She was the translator. And now because I do so much work with early childhood educators in outdoor education, I now have a third version of it. As a result of my work with the daycares, it's called Me and My Sit Spot for Early Learners. So it's the same illustrations, but it's only got one sentence. So the beautiful little one to four-year-olds can actually sustain the book. It's not four sentences on each page. That was just too long for those kids. So the original is great for elementary students. And this one's great for the younger kids. I think I ordered so, that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's the one that has now, I, we were chatting about this a few weeks ago, right? Yes, that we were. Exactly. districts have been buying the early learners version in bulk. So I've wow. had a school district order 2,000 copies. Wow. They just go directly, well, through me to the publisher, and then we get them shipped directly to them because they're giving them out as welcome to kindergarten. Here's a beautiful book to encourage outdoor learning connections. So it's, it's been that book especially has really kind of started snowballing this year. It's been exciting. You think of, it's interesting because you think just the opposite because you're talking about early childhood (laughs) and you're talking about sitting still. Right. So yeah. how do you introduce sit spots? How does 
Yeah. It's hard. Nobody likes to sit still. <laughs> right? I will be honest. And yeah. I said, the kids, you know, um, so we have to make it pl- playful. So we yeah. always start with a game. Mm-hmm. We'll play camouflage. I won't say that we're doing sit spots. We're playing camouflage or we're playing raven spy where mm-hmm. everybody has to hide and I'm the raven or somebody else is the raven. And we're, again, it's really just I spy. Yeah. There's so many different yeah. versions of it. Um, but after we, again, meet in circle to debrief the game, I'll say, you are so amazing at hiding under that log for about a whole minute, 30 seconds. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we call that a sit spot. You are down low, getting dirty, being calm, being quiet, not distracting your friends. That was amazing. Remember that for in a few weeks when we talk about sit spots, that you were amazing at that, right? So we sort of build it up through games. And then again, with the really young kids, we do group sit spots. And so we all sit together and we'll look at something and, and, you know, we do still whisper like, oh, do you see the bird or something soft? And so, yes, we're sitting still, but we're not discouraging conversation because we still want them to to connect with each other and to the land. So, but yeah, those are my sort of my two big hints, I guess, or my two big tips about starting sit spots is make it playful, make it a game, do a group sit spot and start really slow. With my group this year, back in September, I think we only started with maybe 10 seconds. So just find a spot. You still have to see me, uh, safety wise. <laughs> but find a spot and just look for something odd. Hmm. Sit there quietly, count to 10, come back to me, share out, and then we'll find a new spot to sit. So we do a lot of sort of taste. So moving, moving around. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I don't want them to just say, that's my spot. I'm not going right. to try anything else out. So we do, we call it taste testing. So we try oh, out nice. one spot. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? Try another spot. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And then eventually people um, all decide on, yeah, that's the place I feel really connected to. I've got a variety of things I can look at. I'm comfortable. I'm safe. But these are older kids, right? My, yeah, mine's are grade one, two. Yeah, now, one and two. My, at the daycares, they, again, they're still within like the fenced area. <laughs> right, right, right. But they're all sitting, sitting in their own little areas. Wow, yeah. yeah. Typically with something, again, to draw with. So, again, they can sustain attention or some sidewalk chalk. But it's that calm time where they can sit and look and just be kind of be free. I think they just need it. Yeah. I I think there's like a desperation for it. I think that we're in such a rush society that it's just go Mm. outside and listen to the birds and feel the wind blowing and just to be. Yeah. I I don't think we teach that. I don't think it's... And yeah. even, even myself, I'm sort of, I, in our members, in our circle membership, our, we have a membership mission every month and this month's mission, because it's May, it's when this is recorded, it's, mm-hmm. it's a crazy, crazy month. So I said, yeah. okay, your mission is to find a sit spot and, and yeah. sit there. And I have to tell you, it was difficult for me yeah. To, yeah. To, to find the time and the, and the space in mm-hmm. my day just to go and sit. And yeah. to give myself permission for that. Do you have a sit spot? Do you? I do. And, I've got a couple. And if, and if you're so busy, how do you? Yeah. How do you put that into your schedule? Yeah. Especially so, you have two little ones. And I've got two little ones. And so this is the part about making sure that sit spots are inclusive. Um, next year, because of the, the group that I know I'm going to have, we're just going to be calling it our, our special spots. 
because yeah. some of our learners can't sit, oh, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we call them stand spots, right? So I'm very flexible with what we call it. For, so for me right now, I wake up quite early in the morning so that I can have coffee <laughs> in peace and quiet. That's very important to me. I also like yeah. to work out first thing in the morning before the kids wake up. And so I'll quickly have my workout. Uh, I'll make my my coffee, grab my water, and I go sit usually inside the house just by the window so that I can still hear my kids in case they woke up early. And so indoors, but I still looking out a window, it's my favorite sit spot because I can Mm -hmm. see the backyard perfectly. When I have time at lunch, I leave and I go sit. We've got these new beautiful garden beds in our our school grounds. And so I go sit out there because it's very calm. The kids play on the other side so they don't have visual eyeline of me. (laughs) So I can have, you know, real calm when I'm out there. And then, you know, if I ever do get time on the weekends on my own or after work, I have a forest trail not too far away from me where, again, there's this beautiful creek and I have this little nook right by the creek where I go sit, usually with my dog, take her for a walk, but her and I will just sit there for a little while. And I don't have my phone, nothing's distracting me. It's just such a breath of fresh air because I rarely, like most of us, I rarely make the time. That's that's the thing. It's really blocking out time. And so how much time do you spend in your sit spot? Uh, again, in the mornings before the kids wake up, I sit there with my coffee and I'm probably there for 20 minutes, no phone. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just sit there. I'm petting my dog. I'm staring out the window. I mean, I'm making plans like, oh, I should move that plant over there. <laughs> so, you know, that would be me. That's, that's yeah. my like, okay, don't go, don't get the to-do list going or don't get up and get my shovel. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. And so. I have to keep reminding myself like, nope, this is just how am I feeling or I stretch while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go to the creek by my house, I'm there from anywhere between 10 minutes. And if my dog is not with me and I get to go completely by myself, then I could be up there for about 45 because I like wow. to close my eyes and just nothing. Just or I, I, Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so, so. amazing. Well, we'll practice that. It's a, it's a practice. It really is is a practice, but I love that you put a book to it. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. I, I love that I have a picture book. I mean, what a bucket list item. I'm not a writer, right? That's, but I mean, we can say that about everything, right? I'm not an artist. I'm not good at math. So I really shouldn't be saying that I should be modeling better (laughs) growth mindset, but that's not something I ever dreamed of becoming. And my favorite thing is not only is the girl on the front cover, it's me. So wild, crazy, gingery hair. Yeah. Uh, Oh, there she is. Yay. So is that emulating you? Yeah, that's me. My hair was much more ginger color when I was younger. And Uh both my kids look like they're going to be quite redheads, orangey hair kind of color. And then my my inscription is for my kids as well. So I've got the handprints and, you know, so it's all... Oh, for my kids and my dog, of course, had to. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Anything else that we missed in terms of wow. your, your work? I And it's just, I think it's a testament in terms of you writing this book and yeah. not necessarily considering yourself a writer right. or yeah. you just had an idea. And I think. Yeah. And, and it that, was sort of that idea of having the, the courage to try it. And I wouldn't have had the courage. I always have to give credit where credit is due. I have a friend who I grew up with playing soccer and she self-published and 
Her name is Kelly Shuto. She's written, <laughs> what does it mean to be brave? What does it mean to be your best? And yeah. she's the one that encouraged, she told me everything, how to find an illustrator, how to find someone to format it for me every step of the way. And then now her and I and four other local authors, we've started a local bookshelf group to support other people who would oh, like to become authors. Yes. And so I highly recommend you look up the local bookshelf if you're ever having any questions about becoming an author. And the last exciting piece of news is I've now been signed on with a publisher and I'm actually writing a teacher's guide for oh, oh, yes. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. We were oh, talking no. about that well, earlier. It's yeah. still going to be a few months away, right? It's, but it's, it's happening. Process, but it is happening. Um, we're wanting to take our time because we want to do our due diligence due diligence. I want it to get properly edited. I want to have enough insight from people that I admire. And so giving them enough time to read through it and give Mm. feedback and then correct it. Really excited to have that available alongside the picture book to really help people get outside and know what could I say to encourage my kids at a sit spot. Yeah, you could just get them to go out and sit. Yeah. Or you can give them a prompt to consider the curricular connections. So, so, so important. And it's so, there's so many layers to this. There's the layer of just being brave and being encouraged to try go out on a limb and Mm -hmm. get out of your comfort, comfort zone. So there's that Mm -hmm. whole, and then there's sort of the domino. Yeah. You shove down that first domino and then there's this lovely domino effect. Yeah. And then there's this being just, being, you know, just teaching us all how to be in this crazy, crazy, crazy world. And then having this teacher edition is so smart that there's so wonderful layers to that. And I just so appreciate that you have this incredible story to share and with all of us. And I think it's inspiring to our listeners who can probably think about what could they do to yeah make it your own make it their own whatever that is and yeah and some of that might be that it might be going out just even going outside and teaching could be anything baby steps baby steps yeah that's it so anything else you want to share where can people find you yeah on if you're on twitter i'm at lk mclean and my last name is m-a-c l-e-a-n and if you're on instagram i'm teachoutdoors.ca. And again, I've got the podcast Teach Outdoors and my website is teachoutdoors.ca. And yeah, email me if you have any questions or if you're interested in working together somehow. Yeah, please reach out. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you 
set the right goals, then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching boot camp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversations. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month. You get access to all our online workshops and masterclasses. You get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children. I hope you can join us for the price of one workshop. You get all of this. You get to become a member of our family at Outdoor Classroom. So I hope you can join us. I will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later. Come join us.